Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gold Butterfly Diaries where we like to keep it raw and real with unscripted, unfiltered conversations. I'm Barbara, your host, and on today's episode we are going to get a little bit, well, a lot personal. Um, I'm actually going to be sharing my story with you. Now, this episode is one that I've wanted to record for a really long time, but to be honest, I haven't had the courage to do it. Um, Like I said, it's a really personal story for me. And for those of you who know me, you'll probably know what I'm going to be talking about, but it's going to be in a very different way to the way that I've previously told my story. So let me give you a bit of background. Actually, before I give you some background, I want to share this one thing with you. When you hear the start of this story of mine and my experiences, they might be a little bit triggering. So if you are someone who is sensitive to conversations around depression, anxiety, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, this might not be the the episode that you want to listen to right now because I'm going to go into a few details of my experiences. So I just want to give you that little bit of a warning right from the get-go. I do also want to share with you that this is my comeback story and I'm so incredibly proud of my journey as I sit here today because, my gosh, I've been through some stuff (laughs) like a lot of us have and like a lot of us will inevitably go through stuff. But like I said, this is my comeback story and I want to be able to inspire you and empower you to hopefully seek out your own comeback story. So let's get into it, my friends. I hope you've got a coffee or a a drink of your choice. let's start from the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I'm talking about when I was a kid. I was the sort of kid that used to love asking questions. I was the kid that would, you know, be always asking, but why, but how, but, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I was curious, incredibly curious. And I looked at the world through the most beautiful lens. You know, everything was just so good. You know, it's, you know, I'd I'd go through my day and the day would be fun or I'd go through different things in my life and I was so blessed to have the most incredible childhood. I've got beautiful, loving parents. I have an incredible, funny sister. She's my youngest sister and she's hilarious. And all of that just made for a really great childhood. I was into rocks at a really young age. I was into anything nature. I was, you know, I loved the ocean. I loved anything to do with whales and dolphins. I was just that little kid who, you know, had that gypsy kind of spirit and it was fun. And then I started getting older and wanted to conform and be like the other kids. And so all of that sort of stuff just diminished uh, diminished a little bit because of my desire to want to fit in and want to belong, really. And so then let's fast forward a whole chunk of my life um, to my working life. I was a travel consultant. At the time, 
of this journey that I'm going to be sharing with you, I was running a a really great team of people. Uh, I was a high-end travel consultant. So all my clients were, you know, kind of, you know, people that didn't really worry about a budget when they were looking at a holiday. They would just say to me, Barb's, just send us somewhere nice. And I would just send them to where I would want to travel to and they'd love it, which was great. Then out of nowhere, when I was 35, so we're going back to, gosh, 2009 now, I started getting headaches whilst I was at work. And this was about two months before my 35th birthday. I started getting these headaches. Now, I had headaches for a week that didn't go away. They were constant, just in the front right part of my brain, of my head, I should say. And they were getting worse and worse during the week. I thought, this isn't normal. I'm not the sort of person that gets migraines or headaches. So this was kind of unusual for me. So I decided to go through to the doctor. My doctor was away at the time. So I went and saw a different GP and he just said, oh, you've got sinusitis. Now, the little kid in me kicked in and I asked him, I got curious and I said, but hang on, how can that be? Because I haven't actually had a cold or a flu or something like that. And I said to the GP, I thought sinusitis was a secondary infection. He then responded, no, no, you can just get sinusitis just out of nowhere. Gave me a script for antibiotics. I went through, I filled that script out, took it for a week and my headaches were getting worse. Went back to the same GP. He told me I was resistant to antibiotics, which I didn't actually believe because I don't take antibiotics. He told me I was resistant. So then gave me another script. Anyways, long story short, for six weeks, I went and sought the advice of about five different doctors, all of which were giving me different different diagnosis for the symptoms that I had, which were these chronic headaches. Everything from a pinched nerve in my back to tension headaches to it's just stress, um, obviously the sinusitis diagnosis. And then one afternoon I went to call my sister and I picked up the phone in my left hand and I dropped the phone. So I started getting weakness on the left side of my body. When I was driving to work, I was veering off to the left as well as I'm driving down the freeway. So I knew by that stage that there was something seriously wrong and it wasn't anything to do with any of the diagnosis that I'd been given. So we called the health direct line. They told me to go straight to the hospital because it sounded neurological. I went to the hospital. They told me I was dehydrated, hooked me up to two bags of saline solution, and then sent me home. This is where my nightmare really began. So what I want to let you know as well is that at the time, my partner and I, we've now been together for almost 17 years, but at the time we'd only been together for about two years. And nine months of that we did long distance. And also we weren't living together at the time. I was living on my own in my beautiful townhouse. He was living on his own and it was just really good fun. You know, the start of a relationship, which is just, it's just fun. And that's how it was until this point that I started really deteriorating. 
So got home after having the two bags of saline solution. The week that was ahead of me, I could not have imagined the week that I would have, that I was about to experience. I couldn't sleep. My headaches were excruciatingly bad by this point. I felt like I could hear like a whooshing sound in my ear and it was just awful. Every time I went to eat, I'd be sick. And then what had happened was I went and had a little bit of a sleep in the afternoon on a Friday. Now this is 14 years ago and I can still remember this so incredibly clearly. I'd gone and had a little nap in the afternoon on a Friday just to give myself some sort of relief. When I woke up, I had no idea how to brush my hair. I had no idea how to sign my name. I had no idea where I had left anything. And we had another appointment for the GP. Thank goodness. When I'd woken up, my left side had dropped, not my face. (laughs) My face was okay. But my left shoulder had dropped and I was incredibly weak and my skin was grey. It had been leading up to that point anyways. So my partner, who'd pretty much moved in with me for that week, took me to the GP, another appointment. As soon as that particular doctor saw me, she said, you need to get yourself to hospital because you're presenting signs of stroke. Oh, my gosh. I can't even tell you. I don't even think it registered at the time, to be honest. All I remember is then having to sign my name at the doctor's surgery to sign my little Medicare form or whatever it was that I had to sign. And I remember looking to my partner and I just said to him, I don't know how to sign my name. I could hold the pen, but my brain wasn't sending the signals to my hand in order to sign it. So then we went through to the hospital again. We waited for hours. And when I say hours, I mean it was was just, it was too long. For someone who was diagnosed with having symptoms of stroke, it was way too long. And if anyone, if anyone knows anything about stroke, you know that time is literally of the essence. The longer you wait to get treated, the more the brain is damaged. So we waited for hours to get through to emergency, finally got through to emergency. And then I don't even know how long it was that we waited in there, but I remember being in one of the the hospital beds in emergency. The room was dark. It was cold. My partner was next to me and all he kept saying to me was just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. And I remember fighting my sleep so much because I didn't want to die. And it got really close to me being, to me no longer being on this earth. And I remember just saying to him, I can't, I can't go to sleep. And he was trying to reassure me that it was going to be okay. Now, this is, this is something that I've not shared with any of my friends. (laughs) I've shared it with my partner and my family. But what happened next was just, I can't even tell you. 
I can't even tell you where this all came from, but what happened next is what has kept me going to where I am today. I surrendered. I thought to myself, I just need to go to sleep because I hadn't slept all week. And as I was drifting off to sleep, I heard a voice say to me, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. I didn't realise in that moment how profound that statement was going to be. Now, we finally were moved into a room out of emergency and then we were moved to another hospital where I had the most incredible care. I was in hospital for 10 days. Then when I was released, it was such a journey that I had no idea I was about to face. I went through post-traumatic stress disorder from having a near-death experience. Along with that, I had depression. I had anxiety. I actually classed myself as having high-functioning depression. It's probably a term I've just made up. I don't know. But I'm going to cover that in another episode because that's, that's going to show you how I managed to cope through that time. And it was years. Like I I can honestly say it's only really been the last maybe 18 months that I can say that I'm out of the darkness. So moving on from there, there was a lot that I was dealing with and a lot that I was struggling with. And being the stubborn person that I am, I didn't actually ask for help. And to be honest, I probably didn't know who I could ask because at that point I felt like I had been let down by the medical system. I felt like I had definitely been misdiagnosed and I didn't feel heard and I didn't feel understood. And as humans, all we want to feel is to be, you know, to know that we are heard And that's a really important thing. And when you're vulnerable, when you're in that situation and you don't feel like you can articulate what it is that you need, it's really hard. Now, getting out of hospital, I was at my partner's house. He just bought a new place and I still had my townhouse. And I remember saying to him, I'm too scared to live on my own. Because after, well, actually leading up to the stroke, I could barely walk up the stairs. I had to kind of grab the wall with my arm, if that makes sense, and guide myself up the stairs. So I was really scared that I was going to fall or that something was going to happen while I was at home on my own. So I'd made the decision that I was going to move back in with my parents. My beautiful partner, gosh, he's just an incredible human, he asked me to move in with him. Now, because we had never discussed the whole moving in situation, I felt like an absolute victim and I felt like, I felt like my independence had been taken from me. I felt like I had been ripped off. I felt, you know, cheated, all of these things because I was so fiercely independent you know, before the stroke, I was living my best life. I had a great team at work that I was managing. I had, like I said, I had my beautiful townhouse, new, you know, new relationship, 
all the good stuff and it was fun. And then the stroke came along and it was like having the rug literally ripped out from under my feet. So anyways, he asked me to move in with him three times and on the third time I said yes, but gosh, I battled with him every chance that I could. I would pick fights. I would just, you know, just try to push the buttons. And the other thing that I realised is that after having the stroke, it did alter my personality a little bit. Well, a lot, shall we say. So I wasn't that fun person anymore for a time. I wasn't that, you know, that curious, questioning person anymore. I just almost gave up. The biggest turning point for me, and this is the comeback story, and this is one thing I'm so proud of, the one thing that helped me to come back was owning the fact that it was my stroke. You see, before all of that, I was always referring to it as the stroke. I'd completely detached myself from the experience. The moment I owned it, that's when things started to change because then I was able to look at all the incredible experiences that I'd had, good, bad, indifferent, and they've made me the person that I am today. Yes, aged also has, you know, has a lot to do with it, wisdom, all those beautiful things. But I don't think I'd be the person I am today had I not have had the stroke. I'm able to share my story with other stroke survivors. I'm able to use my plot, my podcast as a platform to get my story out. And I'm sure there's going to be other opportunities as well. The difference with the way I share my story now than what I used to is I don't come from that space of I've been ripped off or my life has been taken from me. The universe had other plans for me. The universe had had a different life than what I thought I was going to have. And you know what? That is perfectly fine. If anything, I'm really loving the life that I'm living now. So, my friends, there is a lot more that I'm going to share around this because, like I said, there's different components that I want to share when it comes to things like the post-traumatic disorder, when it comes to how I functioned, you know, and how I just did life, going through depression and anxiety. And the reason why I share this story is that I'm hoping that if you are going through something similar, that you can look at my experience and hopefully it can inspire you to know that there is something better out there for you. Life is not always easy. Life isn't always pretty. And sometimes bad things just happen because they happen. There's no reason for it. That's just life. But know that every experience that you have is your experience. It's unique to you. So take whatever you need to from it and allow that to make, you know, to make your comeback story. 
I know you've got one. We all have one. So, my friends, like I said, I'm going to leave that right here. I think it's a good place to stop. (laughs) And I'm so looking forward to you listening to this. Give me your feedback. Let me know your thoughts. Um, And I just hope you can all be inspired to either reinvent or, yeah, like I said, just have your own comeback story.